Welcome to Main Street Politics. I'm your host, Daniel Bonham. With us today, Senate President Peter Michael Coleman Courtney. Born in Pennsylvania, grew up in New Jersey, Rhode Island, Virginia. West by God, Virginia. You talk about quite a bit as uh, where you grew up. How has that shaped who you are today? There's an article, I guess, in the New York Times was just sent to me saying, I wish, why can't we be as tough like the East Coast people are tough because of the opening of schools and things. I found myself reading it and smiling. I don't know. It, uh, it isn't, it, it, I've been out here since July 9th, 1969. It's not, I don't know how that shaped me. West Virginia touched me deeply. It's probably why I'm a Democrat because my parent, mother was a very strong Republican in the Cabot Lodge type of thing. My brothers were both Republicans and everybody, so I'm a misfit. I, I, I don't know. I think the better question, so I might as well take over the podcast and have you really exciting. I said, when you come to a place that you don't know a soul, it's a long way from anything you know. You didn't even know where the plane was going to land because you didn't know where Oregon was two weeks before you came. You even never heard of it. And you're coming from three time zones. And then you see this biggest ice cream cone you ever saw out the one window, which was hood, Mount Hood in the summer. And then you get here and live at the Y, you don't, you have no friends, you have nothing. And that probably has shaped me more than anything. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how it shaped me. My mother had Parkinson's disease all her life, so we had to take care of her, I and my two brothers. My grandmother raised me, she had an eighth grade education. I, I don't know, I don't know. I had the boatyards of uh, Weymouth, Massachusetts. Every summer I spent my Uncle Frank hard working since I was eight. I, I don't know. I don't know. What, uh, what inspired you to want to study the law? They expected it of me. If I had to do it over again, I never would have gone to law school. I would have gotten a PhD in history, and I missed it. But you know, I, everybody, because I had my speaking, they said, you know, you ought to be a lawyer. So I went to law school. But I also have a master's degree in public administration, which I'm just as proud of. So anyway, I, I did what people expected of me. So William S. Fort, you came out here to law clerk. Uh, how did you find that opportunity? Like, how did you find Oregon? You know, I was going to go work for legal aid in Prescott, Prescott, Maine, with the Indians up there on the Canadian border because nobody had hired me. It was at Boston University Law School. But I was the class president. I was a bit of a character. So I'm the kind of guy to get in the library and everybody's studying. I'd go for... I'd, Peter, I would cause trouble. Everybody get right. So anyway, I'm in the library studying for your final exams as a senior law student, which is a play game. I mean, you get to be a senior in law school, you're God. Because I went to a law school that God, I had only a third of my class survived the first year because it was really brutal. So I'm there. And a guy came up to me and said, Peter, because I did, you had to do, I did work, social work outside the prison, part of it, you know. I was teaching in prisons in Massachusetts in a city prison, which had some of the most notorious criminals. And he comes and says, what are you going to do when you leave here? I says, I don't know. I'm going to go up to Maine. He says, well, there's a guy out there who needs a law clerk. I said, oh, what? Where are I said, I'm dumb as a post. Yeah, he says, Peter, I'm going to call him up. And he calls up this Judge Williams who was in Chicago at a juvenile conference thing. And I don't know how they could. He says, I got to get a law clerk. They just created a new a court in Oregon called the Oregon Court of Appeals. I don't have a law clerk. 
He comes back to me and says, he wants you to write him. I said, I'm dumb as a post. You don't need to. Put the, I don't even know how to do it. We put together a letter and we threw it out. Put it out. I got a letter within, I don't know how many days, and I still got it from there. He says, I need a law clerk. You want to be my law clerk? Call me this number right away. I called him. And the first thing I said is, how close are you to the ocean? Because I, I need the ocean. And I called him. He said, you're my law clerk. I says, where are you? Salem. Where's Salem? I don't know. Where's Oregon? You better look on the map. I said, okay. Then he said, I said, so I don't like to fly. He says, you better leave now. So... I got on a plane. I remember it was Chicago, out of Logan, Chicago. And here I was. And that was a matter of one week, two weeks in my life. That's how fast it happened. And that's how I ended up in Oregon, my Oregon. And I got to tell you, you won't believe that. I remember the first night I went to Andy's Lounge here. I couldn't get anybody to dance with me. I loved the dance. It wouldn't dance. Sat on the steps of the Y, almost went in, called my dad up on a payphone. And I woke him up. I said, Dad, what are you sleeping for? He said, Peter, it's one o'clock here. Two o'clock. I said, what do you mean? And I went, oh, my God, if I got a problem, I don't, I got to go a long way. That's when I knew my life had turned upside down. That's exactly what happened. Never should have happened. One and two men never should have happened. That's exactly what happened. When it got around the law school, I was going to go to Oregon and be a law clerk. They could not believe it. They could not believe it. But then you were in office from 81, 83, ran for another office, then came back after unsuccessful try at Congress, but came back in 89, served in the House till 98, then moved to the Senate, have been in the Senate since 99, and have been Senate president since 2003. You know, left out the most, some of the most important things. You left out the fact I served in the Salem City Council, which I'm extremely proud of from 1974 to 1980, very proud of that. I was at Western Oregon University for 30 years. Uh, you left out the fact that the office I ran for was Congress, and I got my brain speed out in the Democratic primary. Uh, I came in second out of four, but I lost. And then I ran against a Republican, one of your great Republicans here, who's a historic figure in this community, schools that I'm in, Cub Houck. And they said, I'm going to win that. I got my brain speed out on that, so I had two straight losses. And then I ran for my old seat that I left, and I was 110 votes ahead election night. The other side waited to the last moment to ask for recount, and I won by uh, 98 votes. 98. So let's get all that pain and suffering and rejection in there that you like to talk about. No, I, so what was funny, though? You want to talk about how many schools I applied to and was rejected from? You want <laughs> no. to talk about how many law schools? I'm a loser. I'm not kidding. I, I'm a loser. Say, I'll, 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 let, I'll give you a list, litany of how losses was, that are unbelievable. How was high school football? Were you successful in high school football? Uh, yeah. Perfect. It was a different kind of football than they play out here, my friend. I would imagine so. It is. You have no idea how bad it was, how tough it was, how hard it was. Yeah. What position did you play? I was a middle linebacker and a fullback. Right in the thick of it. Yeah, you got that right. Which did you prefer, offense or defense? We didn't think about things like that. We had... Uh, maybe 29 kids on our football team, and we played the team, schools that were 5,000. We were 400, didn't have any other divisions, so you just went out there and you went to war. Yeah. I mean, it was, guys had little pipes taped around here, they'd hit you with, they'd spit chewing tobacco in your eyes. They would, you know, I remember once I got hit. God, I kept getting hit, because they kept running me, and I kept, God, I jumped up out of a pile. I said, Ref, Jesus, they're hitting me after the whistle, he said. Son, out here we stop at the echo. 
And I said, went back to Huddle. I said, okay, this is going to be a long game. Let me explain that. The mountains of West Five God, Virginia. Woo! I said, it's going to be a long game because they hated Catholics and they hated us. And you're playing polka, polka dots. Two percent of the kids would go to high school in those schools. What was your favorite class in high school? I don't know. I mean, you really do have a gift, though, of speech. I, I'm curious if it was fostered through your education or if it was just something that you born with? In Catholic schools, I don't know about today, the nuns, they pick people to do certain things. You didn't volunteer. And when they picked you, you didn't say no. And for some reason, Sister Marianne said, you're going to be in the oracle contest, and you're going to be in a debate in front of the whole high school, you and Bob Petrakubi. And you're going to go up against seniors. I think it was either ninth grade or seventh And next thing I know, they made me enter this contest for the high school to go as far as I could. So. I don't know, I'm a self-made speaker, even though I'm, uh, so I don't know where that came from. And I, I we brought you water today, by the way. I, yeah, I, I saw that. I assume you're going to charge me for it. I apologize that it's not skim yeah. milk. Oh, it's light. I'm glad you did. I, I am thirsty. I need the water, but I didn't think I could take it unless you offered it to me. I didn't think you were going to offer it. So your gift of speech, though. I don't I, know if it's a gift. And, and, How do and you then know? you, you come into this role. Speak? Have you ever heard me speak? You may not like the way I speak. Oh, I love the way you speak. Do I, you? You were on YouTube. You're out there. Uh, there are plenty of speeches that uh, we were able to find. My favorite in 2015 uh, in front of Western Oregon University commencement speech, you talk about uh, when you were in the city council, you talk mm -hmm. about that you were hot, and then you came to the Oregon legislature. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot? That's what you said. I These never said words. hot. I said hot? Hot. As in what? I don't, I don't, and I have never said I'm then hot. Then you said when I was in the legislature in the early 80s, I was hot. Mm. I was going to run for Congress. So I the question not. is, how hot were you? You know, I, I do sweat a lot, but I, and I, I, I don't, I, I don't recall saying that. I don't, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. What, when did I say that? It was a commencement speech to Western Oregon University. Well, that in commencement speech was "Be not afraid." You forgot that. That was a speech that actually had some effect. I don't believe in commencement speakers, because the day is not about the commencement speaker, which they forget. It's about the students, and yeah. I had to organize the Western Oregon University commencement, and I did it, and I wanted to make it as perfect as it could be. So when they came to me and said they were going to do this, I don't want to speak. You go, I don't want to speak. So. I wanted to be something that we've talked about for years to come, and be not afraid. It, it actually, I've had some students come up and say, "I remember that." So, I don't, I, and I remember that day. Good God, I I don't know what to tell you about hot. I don't think I'm hot. I never thought I was hot. I've I've lost more than I've won in life. I appreciate your sense of humor, by the way. I well, you, I, wait I a minute. You don't. So, you know this sense of humor stuff. I don't tell jokes. I don't have it. People say I have a sense of humor. But actually, I'm a very melancholy person, very serious person. But my wife would say, you are crazy. Uh, I, I don't know. I wish I love stand-up comedians that are very good. I love comedy because the challenge is either you got it or you don't. There's no middle of the ground in comedy. I really believe that. And it's hard to be a great comedian. Most great comedians end up being alcoholics, and they have tragic lives, whether you know it or not. I'm not making it up. Yeah. And I've studied comedy. Because if I can make you laugh because of the way I look or whatever, then I can live. Probably everybody is right here in this room has got crosses they're carrying. I mean, I'm just going to say it. I don't know. Maybe your life is perfect. Your life is perfect. But most people have crosses. And if some way I can get them a smile because look at that crazy only, 
then you know it. it you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it can, uh, you know. So I wonder. That's why I call myself full service Peter. I'm a full service Peter. I, I'm a giver, unlike you, Bonham. Bonham, you're take. I am a giver. I am a accommodator. They've done the studies on me, and they said here in the comedy. I'm not kidding you. They said it. They said it. Do you By the way, like- you didn't mention it's Philadelphia. Don't say Pennsylvania. Say Philadelphia. Your research is, is shallow. June 18th. That's true. June 18th. I'm a Gemini. Philadelphia. June 3rd. I'm, I'm there with you. It's not June 3rd. It's June. Mine. Man, mine. I don't care when I'm you were born. Yeah, I don't I'm, care I when you were born. I was making a connection. You're you never going to be I, I friends. All right. We'll make this about you. Let's uh, <laughs> Did you tell your audience that you're the youngest of six children? Were you on Wikipedia? Were you doing some background uh, research? Yeah, I did. Uh, you never talk about your family, so I was going to, you never talk about the wife, Lori. We don't even know who, you know, Jennifer. We didn't know he had a daughter and didn't he? he has a son named Jock. Yeah, I'll tell you some of this, that he was the youngest of six children. He'll sure grow up. He grew up in Tiger, so I don't know what he's doing in the Dallas. Tell me he, about, tell me about the youngest of six. What does that mean to you as numbers and family are important? You're the baby. You'll always be the baby. You get away with anything you want because I am in the worst world. My birth order is the absolute worst. So, but you're, you're the baby. Where are I you? Mean, my, I mean, I mean, I mean, you're the baby. What is the baby? Oh, whatever he wants, he made it a baby. What I learned is that when I wanted to say something, I just had to get loud because no one wanted to listen to me. I'm sure. Look, the baby is the baby is the baby, <laughs> and you'll always be the baby. So this is a good segue, because when you do this role, yeah. do you feel like, like, I'll just say at times, like, I do feel like Daniel Bonham and Representative Bonham, you know, Representative Bonham is almost a character I play sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that at all in your role as, as Senate President Courtney? Is it, is it who you are, or is it more uh, a job function, or, or is it almost like, you know, being an actor on a stage? Is there a role that you're playing? Well, I don't. I mean, I did do Pinnacle Theater. I've done some acting. But I don't think I'm pretty close to who I am. You know, I don't, I know, I may be more intelligent than you think I am, not as aware of it, but I don't, I think I'm pretty much as I am. That's what they say. Pretty much, I don't, I don't play games much in this area. I'll tell you where I am in a bit, and I'll still try to accommodate you. But I don't, I don't think I'm phony. No, I, I don't think I'm no, superficial. I, I think many people that have met you, they, they do describe you as a devout family man. And I go back to when I was a freshman, we, we had a little gathering up in the house lounge, and you were gracious enough to come speak to us. And you made the comment about uh, how we all get to this building. You know, it's a team, it's mm-hmm. an effort. You know, you've got a campaign, you've got a family, you've got a kitchen cabinet that help you get here. And then many people lose focus of that and can leave by themselves. And, and you, you made the comment, like, I don't know that you can do this and be a devout family person. But I think you've proved to many, many people that you can do it. And I'm curious if you can share some of those secrets with us on, on how you balance uh, life in and out of this building. Well, I'm never going to call myself devout or anything. Those are the terms you use. Uh, there were three commandments I said. You've got to hire staff. You're only as good as your staff. Uh, then I said, stay away from alcohol. alcohol. Well, if you're going to drink it, look out. It'll creep up on you. I've lost a number of legislators over there, especially in the House. It was tragically alcohol. And don't forget who you, who you came here with, because if you do, you'll leave here without them. And I do think I've seen it happen. Uh, politicians, especially in the House where they're young, ambitious, uh, my dad once said to me, you show me a man, a woman, who's very successful in politics, in law, or medicine, or business, and I'll show you a man 
a woman whose family comes second. And I've never forgotten that. I think he, he was right. So with that in mind, uh, you better be aware that this, politics is addictive, very, very addictive stuff, dangerous stuff. It really is. And so, you know, uh, I don't, uh, I've often felt that if I had gone to Congress, I'd have been, I don't know what would have happened to me if I had come from Eastern Oregon. I don't know if I would have done the things I'm doing here. I'm fortunate, mile two down the road, Western. But I don't hold myself out as a great family man. I just believe that the, the thing that children need the most, I think, is not giving them things. I feel bad because I didn't have much money to take, give them all these vacations everybody does. But a guy once said to me, he said, Peter, the most important thing of a kid is just that you're around. So what are you talking about? You're around. You're around. Just, just, just that you're around, even if they're in another room. And I had three sons, and I have very strong feelings about boys because I'm one of three boys. My father's one of two boys. It goes on for years. We didn't have a girl in my family for 150 years until one of my sons had a little girl. So I don't know anything about girls. I don't know anything about sisters. I don't know anything about them, and I don't pretend to. So, but I think there's only two lessons I tell my boys from day one. You take care of your mother, and you take care of each other. I don't matter. So, you know, I don't think you can look at me as a devout family. These politicians, I'm a devout family man. I'm a family man. Oh, get out of my life. Get out of my life. That's just how I feel about it. Again, people said that about you. Well, they shouldn't yeah. have said devout. There's nothing yeah. devout about me. Are you crazy? I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. So... Um, he's trying to memorize. See, he's so nervous. He's got this choreograph. See me? I don't have this choreograph. I just I got plenty of things. I, I want to make sure that we talk. Like people are excited to hear from uh, Senator Courtney, President Courtney, on what's life Peter. like in twenty. 20- His name is Peter. I don't. I have trouble with Todd. Peter. So you served in a super minority. You've served in a super majority. You've served yep. e- everywhere in between, yep. including yep. in two thousand two when it was fifteen fifteen. Not at all. I've heard from folks that were in the House at 30-30 that it was the best legislative session ever. Would you point to the 2002 session at 1515 as, you know, the best ever? Oh, no. Uh, I mean, it was great, but I've been in a lot of sessions. And, uh, I mean, there's been, this could be the greatest time, but we don't realize that we're going to screw it up. I mean, if we get through this session that this and do some of the things, we've already done things last week, this last year that I know you don't agree with, the 27, no, 13, 14 e-boards. You've had three special sessions. Uh, we're making things up as we go along. We're just trying to get, deal with the pain and suffering of a magnitude we never experienced. If this thing could ever work, this might be the most, well, historic. We'll see whether or not you think it's good or bad. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was tied. It was a different world, especially what the Senate did versus what the House. We did something much different in the Senate when we were 15, 15 than what the House did. They did what everybody other states did. We didn't do that, and that's a story unto itself. So, you know, I, you know, we fought. We went along. I believe I had to shut that session down because it went so long. So I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. It's like my wife said it best because she was a PE teacher to coach in junior high school. They call them middle schools now for 10 years. And, her, and you know, I never forget she'd say, every class is different. Every team is different to school. But she said, some of them you never forget. There's a, the players or the athletes or the students, they're just easier or better. And so I, don't, I haven't decided, they're doing this book, I haven't decided 
what I don't know if I could ever say that I've served with. Tell me which is the greatest governor you've served with. I don't know. I don't know. I can't do anything wonderful or profound there. There was a specific conversation you were having around the John Kitzhaber ethics crisis that was taking place, where you you made this uh, comment. I never had a game plan. I never practiced this play. I never was on this team. I don't have any primer. I don't have any idea how you're supposed to do this because I never thought I would be here. Now, that was a specific instance. But, but I would imagine, much like this year that you just alluded to, that you run into this quite a bit, right? I remember taking this job. They didn't hand me a manual. They didn't say, hey, Bonham, here's how to be a state rep. You know, people kind of have plugged in some of the gaps. But, but there is no manual to this job. So can you walk us through a little bit of your approach? Because, again, like a, a pandemic followed by a fire season that was bigger than ever, followed by even most recently this ice storm. Like, the hits keep on coming, and there are always challenges. We don't know what the budget's going to be quite yet. How do you prepare? How do you move forward? When he landed that plane on the Hudson Bay and saved all the passengers, uh, how, how, and all he said is, I went into his own. I've been flying for so many years, and things just happen. My son is a commercial airline pilot. He's flying a plane right now, a big plane with people in it. And I, I like what he said, because what he said is, when you've been around for as long as I have been, uh, things just, you take a special session. I've been in, what, 17 out of 36, so... I, when I talked with the speaker initially, I said, I'm going to tell you, they're the most dangerous of all sessions. I said, and I explained, if we do this, we'll be all right. And so we've been able to do that. So I don't know what to say to you. Just, you know, I've been in so much. Uh, I, I don't, I just react. I don't, I don't know. I just react. And these are times I've never seen before, but that's happened before. We'll see. You've served with some extraordinary individuals, I would imagine, over your time. Uh, are there any elected officials or, or just period, anybody that you've come across that really just exemplified what you think an ideal legislator or member of the executive branch, you know, that they really met what you would want from a public official? I miss Hardy Myers, late Hardy Myers, Vera Katz, Denny Jones, big rancher, Eastern Morgan, lived to be 100, um, Hanneman. Paul Hamm, I missed a lot of those people who showed me the ropes. Glenn Otto, uh, they're all gone. And Nancy Riles, she's the one I'm responsible for. I was having kindergartens, Republican. I, I had so many people when I was here in the House that taught me to respect my elders, which I did anyway, to keep your mouth shut unless you carry a bill unless you do a certain bill I heard. I'm just saying, I just, they, they're gone and I, I need them to call them, but I don't. So I, I'm very fortunate that way because you're just, this generation of legislators is like nothing I ever served with when I was in my first two or three terms. So I, they're just there. They were just some, they're all gone though, that's the trouble. I can't even call one and say, look, what do I do here? I remember calling Hardy about John Kitzhoffer. He, yeah, he was so remarkable. And I, you know, I could go on and on, but I have to go it alone. Were there personality traits, were there character traits that those individuals had in common? Were there things that you would say, you know, a good legislator should have this trait, this characteristic? Uh, yeah, but that's not going to work today. They genuinely liked 
in love this legislature. It's an institution. They did. I'm not. They didn't. I'm telling you. And they respected each other. They 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 knew how to fight, and then go up to the lunchroom or go out for a drink that night, even though they had a bloody. But they knew how to fight without destroying this place. That's all gone now, and that's that was really beautiful to watch because I'm telling you, they could fight with the best of them. And then they're they're out at night having pizza, having beer. They're you know what I mean. You how are you doing it? Next morning you come back because such great respect for each other. The one thing I learned, I will say this, is I always said, if I can get into your shoes before you do, I have a chance to working with you. And I worked very hard on that. And I think they taught me that as well. I can remember one time I did it with Bruce Hanna. He was then the, one of the two speakers and was tied. And, and I'll never forget it. If you, when you deal with another human being, I don't have to win. My, I don't have to have the last offer, you understand. And if I can figure out, get into your shoes before you do, then we got a chance to really do some great things. And I think that's what I learned of them. They didn't have to win every argument. Every, they didn't. They, you know how you go back and forth? Well, you, he's, he's the kind of person that you've got to, last offer has to come from him or otherwise it'll never go. We didn't have to play that that much then. You didn't have to play those games. So you, uh, again, uh, going back to 2015 now, uh, Oregon Leadership Summit, and this was in the context of talking about the impending Measure 97 and, and some big fights that were coming up on the ballot measures. You talked about Oregon being on the verge of civil war back then. And, yeah. and again, I know we're talking political civil war. I, I, I know you didn't necessarily mean uh, literal. Uh, but where are we headed today? Where, where are we today? Are we heading in the right direction? Are we heading in the wrong direction? This, is, this, this isn't that isn't a fair question. No, and, podcast, and in fairness, well, and in fairness no, a podcast lasts 30 minutes at most. If you really... These well, questions we'll, require real in-depth thought and analysis and discussion. I'll just say that Oregon has become just another state, and I really regret that. And uh, that is a tragedy for Oregon. Oregon, as I said, loves to be first or only, but today Oregon is just another state. And the responses coming from elected officials are often from people from out of state. That they, they brought their out of state here to Oregon versus they became organized, as I say. If you get become organized, then you stop thinking about your, it's what is, what is so precious and sacred about Oregon. So Oregon's just going the way that every other state's going now. The Civil War is here. I don't know where it ends. I wish, that's why I wish I had a PhD in history, because history repeats itself. And I wish, because I really feel, I have three sons, they're all married, there's some grandchildren. I am very worried in, about their futures in terms of what's happening. and. Uh, this could be the last hurrah. This, I just don't know. I just, uh, it's very bad, and I don't think this institution will ever be the same again. Fred Gerard and I talked for the longest time this morning. We talked once a week, and we both understand the magnitude of it, that if I support him, it's not good for him. Stop and think about that. If I support Fred Gerard, it's not good for him, vice versa. I'm going, what is this? Yeah. So I, don't, I think the magic of the years when I was in the legislature uh, was magic. It was wonderful because I love the state. I love everything about Oregon. I love the legislature. I thought it was the most perfectly designed legislature, 30, 60. I could go on and on. And now it's just another battleground, another battlefield. It's another, it's just a civil war. Tell us about Senate Bill 1. Well, there's been a number of Senate Bill 1s. There's one that gets referred to more often than others. I had so many Senate well, if it's the mental health bill, that's, you're getting serious now. I went to the 
uh, State Hospital, which is in my district on a rainy, overcast day. I don't know what session it was, 2005. And we were going through that old fall apart thing. It's really sad. It was this little old shack over there. I said, what's that? Well, that's just something. I said, what's that? Said, I said, get me a key. We went in and we found the cremains of over 3,000 people that had been in the hospitals. Hmm. No one had claimed them, and of course, they'd been cremated. And you, the room, and it was dark then, dust all over the thing, dirty. Some white pages here, I guess, told you what number was in each can, who was the number. It went back to early part of the century. And uh, I think the crematorium, it was just hard. And, those of us who were in there, nobody talked and nobody moved. And then we left. And I'll never forget it. The next day I walked into Speaker Karen Minnis's office and I said, that is not Oregon. She says, you're right. And we pledged then, no matter how much it cost to build a new state hospital at a mental health, we were going to do it. And that is, that, that, is what, that is where some people say they call that the uh, my Senate Bill 1. because. And what I didn't know is when I talked about mental health, I had a number of your colleagues come and see me, shut the door, and break down in tears and tell me about a daughter or a son. I'm not kidding you, right here in this building. And I realized that until we mainstream mental health, uh, we are really failing our people because mental illness is there a lot of places. And we got to deal with this thing up front. So when you go to a mental health checkup, it's in a doctor's office just like Eregler. And we got to get there because the magnitude of this thing is horrific. So maybe that's what you're talking about. That is a Senate bill, one I'm pretty proud of because I, but I want to give Karen Menace Republican credit because we, there's an example where we weren't, we didn't want to hear any noise. We don't want to talk about caught, whatever we are going, this cannot be. And then we built that incredible museum out there where you can, have you been out to see the cremains? Oh, I wouldn't let them be buried. We put them in an, they, they the two architects who designed it had to take six months off afterwards because they were so emotional about it. They were two young architects in Seattle. If you go out there, you see it. I'm not going to describe it. It's taking too much time. But if you go out there, you should go out there and just sit there and see what we did and then go see the museum inside. And I think you'll be proud as an Oregonian. I think you will be. That's awesome. That really is cool. Um, you got time for a speed round? What does that mean? So these are where rapid-fire questions. Well, I guess so. I, I mean, mean, your legendary your knowledge of mascots. I mean, this is, this is going to be the first part of it. Is mascots? Mascots. Oh, I'll get it. This is legendary. Don't my sheet. I, that's not fair. They're changing mascots all the time now to be correct. Come on. We'll start off easy. Western Oregon. Well, of course, they're the wolves. Linfield. Don't get me started on you wildcats. You exist for one reason. To win football? football. Yeah. Football. Yeah. Football. And your greatest coach was who? Uh, well, in my opinion, it was Mr. Rutschman. Ad Rutschman. Ad Rutschman. And who is his grandson? Ad Rutschman. Yeah. So I tried to introduce... So who is his grandson? Adley. No. Rungo. His first... He was a catcher for Oregon State. He yeah. was drafted number one in the nation by, the, by what team? Uh, Baltimore Orioles. Let me tell you His something. His dad, no. Randy, was my baseball coach. Well, I know the Rushman. Ad Rushman is a perfect example of a guy who had a value system that's gone. Ad Rushman could have gone any time to any school, but he stayed at Linfield. What other championship did he win in addition to football? Uh, baseball. Correct. And Damn it. Basketball? No, baseball and football. He baseball won national football. championships in baseball and football. So I went to work for Dell Smith at Evergreen Airlines. Uh, whoopie doo! And whoopie I'm sitting doo, there I'm working. Happy. But I'm sitting you know there working. You know about Dell Smith? 
And he says to me, uh, hey, can you organize a management training and invite somebody to come? And so I invited Ad Rutschman, right? Because yeah. I thought all those championships, like we're talking team. I'm a big team guy. Yep. And uh, I didn't know that Dell had a connection to that family. That Randy was like his old pair to his kids. Like he was like their babysitter growing up. I don't uh, like this guy at all. Uh, who is the greatest goat milker in the history of the legislature? You know what? That question, <laughs> you know... Bonham, you're not a nice person. Uh, so some friends uh, of mine... What's his name? The guy who deserted your team because he was taken away from him making all kinds of money out there in La Grande, whatever his name Greg is. Greg Barreto. And he's followed by Bill Hansel, who quit because he couldn't stand being beat by him. I have the record of doing the, the most goat milking contest. I won one, you know. You know how I did it, of course. Uh, Greg Johnson is a friend of mine out in the Dalles who had a goat that he allowed you to practice on on the side. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. <laughs> he enjoyed the experience. I went out for hours <laughs> ahead of time and tried to get to know my goat, to, to bomb on my goat. And damn, they never, I couldn't get in. Uh, you've said that you love the House and revered the Senate. So okay. uh, let's, uh, which one's better? Well, if you want a barroom brawl, <laughs> then go to the House. If you want to be in a cathedral and think, try to look for a loophole because all your sins, so you can get to heaven, you go to the cathedral over here. You go to the churchy poo, which itself has gotten a, a little bit raucous at times in terms of it's like the uh, West by God, Virginia, where they people that they sit in their churches and get hollering and carrying on like you won't believe. So it's gotten a little bit like that. But, it, you know, I love the house because it is a barroom brawl. At least it was when I was in there. And then the Senate's a little more serious, a little more serious. You know, whoopee, whoopee, whoopee. Their voices, they talk a little bit lower until they get, you know, stuff like that. What's the greatest state in the nation? Well, Oregon, my Oregon. Adam Little Brady. Rody. That's a good answer. West a, by God, Virginia. You want me to go on and on? Is that second place? Hmm. I wish you wouldn't have asked me that. You know, I am going to say emotionally, I, I shouldn't say this because at URI, University of Rhode Island, I, I, ah, I got to think about that. But God, that hurts. I wish you wouldn't ask that. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about that. When even Massachusetts, all know. five of my listeners demand that we ask these difficult questions. <laughs> well, the one thing you didn't ask, and it's sad because it shows you weren't really listening to me. Because I do say, one of the things I've learned in this business is I don't talk a lot because I really try to listen. In fact, a couple of minutes, you know, you really listen, and I listen hard. And if you listen hard, it exhausts you. I made a statement to you starting out here, and I said I put it right down here. And you're going to end without saying it, so I'm going to, I can't wait to bring this up because I believe one has to listen if you want to be an effective communicator. I mean, really listen. My final question okay. is always this. Yes. What question did I not ask that I should have? Where I was in the birth order. Oh, I brought it up, and then you, I, yeah, thought, no, you, I, I said, thought you ducked it. Uh, I... I didn't, well, I, didn't, I, I don't try to put don't people on the spot. That's, you were too busy talking about people being hot. <laughs> and that is what caused this whole interview to go off the rails, buddy. <laughs> Where were you're you? You're turning red. Where what were is you? your problem? <laughs> you brought the word hot up. What is it? Embarrass you to talk about hot, whatever the hell it means? I don't know. What's going on? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, I'm the middle of three boys. Middle of three. The middle child, the oldest one is the supreme being, and the youngest one is a baby. The middle one, nobody likes him, nobody cares, nobody, he doesn't know what he's doing going both ways. 
Uh, so it's very hard to be a middle child. That is, whatever you call it. a middle child does. I, I actually am perfect example of it. The peacemaker. A what? A peacemaker. Were you a peacemaker? Hell no. No. I was. I'm a loner. I'm very much a loner. You know. I'm very social, but I'm a loner. I am very, very much a loner. I go to football games alone. I go to. I do a lot of things alone, and I'm, I'm not any social. I'm just very much a loner. You can't come. You can't be a pioneer and be anything but a loner. If you're the first, and I was the first in a way, because the East Coast, I go back to the pilgrims on my mother's side and to the Irish Revolution and my father. They don't even know what the West Coast, when I came out here, God knows they knew California. You got nobody and you got to make it on your own. That you're never, you've got to remain always a loner because you'll never know. And also I lost my baby brother Hmm. two years ago, three years ago this month. And I will tell you, uh, he died of cancer, and I will tell you, because I spoke at his, um, his service, I, I, I will tell you, because you said you lost one. They now know that siblings are a lot closer than they know they are. There is something about siblings that we don't appreciate, that they're, they are literally closer. And I, our brothers, we were never close, but I remember I'm not right because my older brother, who's a big, tough, strong guy, he's, he had a lot of, he's breaking down, crying at the service. So I have to say I sympathize. When you said that, I went like that, because if you lose a sibling, uh, now we lost our baby, which really doesn't make sense to me. It does affect you. I mean, it'll affect you. It's like twins. I never liked to hear when a Western Oregon had two great twins in sports and one of them got, got kicked by a horse and died. That other twin really struggled for a long, long while. Twins are, I'm fascinated by twins in terms of who they are and what they are. But siblings are closer than they think they are. So I'm sorry you lost, was it a brother or sister? Sister, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's something about it. Well, for the record, yeah. I want to tell you how grateful I am that you came to Oregon. Oh, here we go. Dead serious. All right, just tell me what bills you want. Because no, here comes serious. the next thing. Here no. he comes. Here we go. Now, Peter, you really want to... Peter, we did have spill, blah, blah, blah. We did Peter. have an anonymous source, because I was wondering if you were a poker player, because this anonymous source that refused to be named said that uh, he always knew uh, your tell was that if you referred to yourself in the third person more than six times in a 15-minute meeting, then his bill was dead. <laughs> so I was waiting, and you didn't do that today, so I thought at least my bills have a chance to survive. No, but I, I do sincerely pray for your health on a daily basis. I'm thankful for the role that you play here in today's legislature, and uh, I appreciate the energy and enthusiasm you still bring to this job and the wisdom that you've been kind enough to share with uh, many of us new members. Thanks for asking about my children. Oh, you didn't. Excuse me. Who was that? Who did ask about my? I forgot. I Three forgot. boys. I, I got. But we knew. We knew about the one Courtney that gave birth to a daughter. And he's had another daughter. They've had another daughter since then. But they finally had a little boy, and the world's changing. So yeah, that's true. So in fairness, I mean, you can pick on me, which I appreciate. Uh, I deserve to be picked on, but you're a living legend. Mm-hmm. You've been here for quite some. No, time. No, no, we don't get into that. But I. Once you get in to that malarkey. It's like Tom Brady. I don't believe in most viable player awards. I have no use for them. I don't. I don't like them because in order for Brady to be Brady, a lot of other people had to be involved. And that is – it drives me crazy. I just brought up Brady because he's walking on air now. It drives me crazy. And this legend stuff, well, Peter, what do you want to be your legacy? Don't ever – don't ask me. I am not – no, 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 no. But you've been here for quite a while. You've I've been here a couple of days, but so what? You know, uh, I, 
you know, what is it? So what? It, it, it's, it's so what? The veteran and experience mean nothing now. There's no respect anymore for the veteran or experience. Not at all. I so, disagree. As oh, someone that's brand new to this process? Because well, yeah. Hardy Myers said it best to me. Peter, you got nothing to say so that when you do say something, people listen, when you're a first-termer. This is the hardest branch of government to serve in. Far and away, a governor gets to do individually, courts, wear the robe, blah, blah. This is a consensus thing. Your bill goes nowhere if it can't get out of a sub, a full, and then off the, and come over. It goes nowhere. That is hard, hard, hard stuff. I'm serious. No, I'm, I'm agreeing. And you do it through sometimes relationships. So, so I'm, I mean, I mean, Denny Miles. Yeah. No, Denny Jones. You didn't know him. I wish you had. And Vera Katz. You've heard of her. Yep. She lives in inner city Portland, totally liberal, never had a car. Came out from New York City, Jewish. I think there were some things with the Holocaust in the back. Anyway, Denny Jones, big ranch, thousands of acres, riding a horse, the whole bit. We're going to do some fee increases on the house. That means we're going to increase fees, which helps the ag community or something that way. So Denny Jones, he says, you know, Peter, I really hope that you can vote for this fee. I said, well, he says, you know, it helps my math. I said, okay. If you're a casker, he said, yeah, you're going to do that. So I voted for the fee. And you guys got a 30-second silence period over there. It's not like the Senate where you know. And up goes, and Denny Jones vote no. I said, what? I yelled on the floor, and he was, Peter, you got in the Ben Isle turned around and said, Peter, keep your voices open. What's up with that? Peter, just keep it. So we adjourned the session. Denny Jones has come down this aisle, and I walk, I said, Your Honor, very respectfully. So he says, I voted for the fee. He says, I saw that, Peter, and I do respect that. Thank you so much for that. I said, uh, But, uh, Your Honor, uh, you voted against it. He says, Yes, I did, Peter. I always vote against fee increases. And he walked away. <laughs> so I go, I get in there, I saw, I wanted to see uh, Vera Katz, he was in there with Tardy, all the rest. I says, I gotta talk to you all. What now, Peter? I says, listen, did you know, and I, I went through it, and Vera says, Jenny always votes against fees. I said, but, but I voted for him. She said, I voted for him too. She said, Peter, let me tell you something. Denny takes care of me and I take care of Denny. Now stop and think about that. Denny Jones, lean, on the horse, sun-bleached, tough rancher, Republican, Vera Katz. Now, you know, I may not believe that. That's a God's honest truth. That so says we, it all. So and I'm not kidding, I, I about went nuts. I about went, what are you doing? You voted, I always voting against it. So he knew that we were going to vote for the fees, so we carried it, because they did need the fees, but his world, uh, so I mean, that, those are the examples I grew up with that taught me everything. They're all gone now. They're all gone. Not only the people are gone, they're gone. How do we get that back? You're not going to get it back. You can never go back. That's like going home. You never can go home. No. You, you don't, you can't get it back. I could go on and on about this. Once you start to, we have become the, uh, I heard it, the microwave generation. Everything's now. You gotta have it now. You don't wanna pay dues. We don't wanna pay dues anymore. Everything has gotta be now, right now. Why do you think athletes sign with certain colleges? They're not signing for the college. I just see these, they decommit. We had one going to Tennessee, great receiver. 
He decommits to go to Auburn. He doesn't know where he's going. He's only going there for his best chance maybe to spend a couple days there and then get the pros or for the coach. They don't even – back in those days, a person went to Notre Dame because they wanted to go to Notre Dame. They went to USC. They wanted to go to USC. It's all over, man. There's yeah. no loyalty anywhere. The loyalty has been defined differently. So let's get it straight. It isn't just the legislature simply reflecting society. Right. So don't – you're not going to change this. It may mean, as a, as a civilization, we're now doing what Europe did. They were all powers at one time, and then they leveled out. And we we're just going to become another France and England in the sense of that. So I don't, I don't, see, I don't see how you, you're not going to go back. His generation, her generation will make that decision. They will do better with the uh, race issue. They will. They will do better with a lot of those things. Like my sons, you know, it's cool to be me and say you understand uh, sexual orientation. My sons look at me like, why do you even talk about it? They don't even think about it. They don't even, they just, to the mention that every day, they don't, don't you understand? I don't know why. They don't, they, no big deal, Dad. What's the deal? But we got to make a big deal of it. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, tell us your story. I'm all for people having the relationship. That we, they don't even think about it. They're, they're, they're beyond that as young people. It's, and rate, they could very well deal with all the stuff that we old people can't deal with. The only thing wrong with kids or adults, and I, don't, I think that may be right. I don't know. It may be right. Senator Courtney, thank you so much for joining us today. It's um, been an honor and a privilege to visit with you, and I hope our listeners enjoy. And thank you, the listeners, for coming back by again. Main Street Politics, remember, if you need to get a hold of us, here in the office, 503-986-1459, or our district office is 541-719-8745. 